This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Heidi Murkoff, and I'm a mom on a mission, a mission to help you know what to expect every step of the way. Let's face it, your vagina is a pretty amazing organ, and it is built to take it. Snug enough to slip a tampon in, elastic enough to accommodate a baby's exit. But even if your baby arrives via C-section, your vagina, not to mention your perineum and your pelvic floor muscles, can take a hit during pregnancy and childbirth. Enter 
the vagina whisperer, Sarah Reardon. She's a pelvic floor physical therapist, and she specializes in tender, loving care of your entire pelvic floor. Last week, she was here on What to Expect to talk about your pregnancy aches and pains and how to prepare for birth. Today, she's back to talk us through postpartum recovery. What will your recovery look like, and how can you make it easier? Encourage healthy healing, combat a whole new set of aches and pains, help you regain bladder control, go back to pooping as usual, get moving again. And what about sex? Does that have to be a four-letter word postpartum? Sarah, welcome back. Thank you, Heidi. I'm so excited to be here again. So I guess we've delivered our baby. Now we have to find out what we do postpartum to nurture ourselves because it's not all about the baby. It's about nurturing yourself as well. And I feel like there's a reason why we've changed the pregnancy timeline a bit, the traditional one that talked about three trimesters, and then you have the six-week checkup, and then you're done. But pregnancy really is more of a four-trimester process because recovery takes time. There are huge benefits to caring for your pelvic floor during pregnancy, but you say many patients don't show up at your door or virtual door until after they've delivered. Is it like better late than never? It's any time is a good time. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, days postpartum, we have folks calling us asking about taking their first postpartum poop or six weeks when they're returning to sex and exercise or even later down the line. But it's always better late than never. And I think that oftentimes we think if we're out of the fourth trimester, then our healing should be done, that our postpartum period is over. But you and I both know that it really lasts forever. And there's just, I think, such little care for moms postpartum. And we don't even know what care we need sometimes that we don't even know where to start getting it. But what are the most common symptoms that bring new moms in to see you? So I would say some of the most common ones are urinary leakage. So that may be leakage with a cough or a sneeze, running after a kiddo, getting out of a chair to, or it may show up later when they are returning to exercise and they're starting to run and do jumping jacks. I think oftentimes we think, oh, it's going to happen a little bit in the beginning, but it'll get better. And research is really showing that a lot of folks who are experiencing leakage at three months postpartum may still be experiencing it at 12 months postpartum. So it doesn't necessarily just go away. If anything, we become more active and we start doing more and it could potentially get worse. So um, that's a common one. Another really common one is painful sex. That's kind of a scary one to enter back into. And, you know, six weeks is this kind of arbitrary timeline that's come up with. I tell you know, my patients, it's totally fine to wait longer. There is no rush. But some things to think about are you may have vaginal dryness. If you are lactating, you may have some scar tissue in the area that could cause pain. You may have experienced trauma during birth that really could be affecting your intimacy or your muscle tension. So that's a really big one that I think we like to address with moms. And then lastly, probably, you know, cesarean scar restriction, cesarean scar pain. 30% of moms are having cesarean births these days and there's no follow-up on how do I manage my scar? What if it's painful? Why does it feel fuzzy or uncomfortable when I'm wearing pants? So we do a lot of cesarean recovery as well. What is your timeline for recovery? Like when do you feel, if if I don't feel good by now, something's wrong and I need to come to see you? In my ideal 
vagina world. I would see all <laughs> folks, you Which know, we everyone. one day we'll live in. <laughs> I know. Hopefully we will live in that world. But I would see everyone for at least one visit postpartum to say, looks good. You're doing this exercise properly. Everything looks like it's great and healing. Carry on. Or to say, ah, there is a little bit of weakness here, a little bit of prolapse, a little bit of scar massage. Let's work on that. So around six weeks, we like to see them. I think if by 12 weeks, you're still experiencing pain, leakage, pressure, abdominal weakness, discomfort, I would go in and start seeing a physical therapist around that 12-week mark. So the OB is going to, or the midwife is going to see you at six weeks. Should we also come in to see you at that six weeks? That's when we ask our clients to come in. After they kind of get their medical clearance of everything looks good, you're good to return to normal, we have them come in to see us sometimes, you know, the very next day or within that week to get them started back to exercise, sex, living their daily lives. I mean, we kind of get that thumbs up to like go back to your normal life, but like nothing is normal What is normal about What is normal? And physically, we haven't been rehabilitated. So how do we just go back to normal? No. And if anything, it'll be a new normal, but hopefully ultimately a better new normal with our help. Um, So let's get into a little detail about that first poop that you mentioned. Because I got to say, it comes with a lot of dread, understandably, especially if you've had stitches. But even if you had a C-section, you're still stressed out about that first poop. In fact, having a C-section, all that medication can make you more constipated. And also you're moving less, which can make you more constipated. So this too shall pass, but how do we make it pass more easily initially? That's uh, um, one of the most common things I like to address with moms because we don't even, especially first-time moms, they don't even realize that that first poop might be an issue. So the number one thing I tell folks is to take the stool softeners. So you have blood loss, you have dehydration, you're in pain, whether you've had a vaginal or cesarean birth. And taking those stool softeners will help keep your poop soft so that it's not really hard and difficult to pass. And also tons of hydration. Your milk may be coming in. Again, you've got blood loss and dehydration. So making sure that you're really pushing the fluids the first two weeks and even after that. The other things are is to use a squatty potty. So we touched on this a little bit in our first chat together, but putting your feet up on a stool or a box or whatever you have, you know, in the hospital, I turned the garbage can sideways and put my feet on it so that I could help my hips relax a little bit. Getting into that squatting position helps relax your pelvic floor so that you can poop. And those hospital toilets are high. You know, there's a little travel squatty potty that you can literally pack up and bring in your hospital bag. I'm like, we need to rethink the hospital bag because we need pelvic floor support for moms in there. Oh, what are we bringing? Oh, we're bringing a travel squatty potty. We're bringing a little peri bottle with a curved nozzle oh, so that Frida. it's a little. You're talking Frida. A little more sophisticated than the hospital ones. I love compression garments that aren't waist trainers, but give moms a little support for swelling and healing. With an ice pack, always an ice pack. I love an ice pack, um, and I tell folks to ice even after they get home from the hospital the first week. So. Um, the stool softeners, the stool under their feet. And then when they're pooping, I actually encourage them to use their hand to support the perineum. So that area vaginally and at the perineum, whether you've had a tear or not, can be really vulnerable. And we're trying to like push something out. So I tell them to take their hand and kind of 
hold up the vulvar and perineal area as they bear down to poop. And if you've had a cesarean birth, to put a pillow over your tummy and hold that area when you're trying to have a poop. So just kind of protecting those really vulnerable areas when you're trying to exhale and bear down to empty the balls. And clearly your hands are clean. Or actually, you can use toilet paper. I tell them to use toilet paper over their hand. (laughs) That's a good tip. <laughs> great, great clarification. Yeah, no, thanks. For, I, I really appreciate your poop pep talk. <laughs> we all need it sometimes. So on to pee. The first time you pee, you may feel like it's kind of hard to because your bladder might feel paralyzed. You might need some encouragement. I always, you know, use the running water and, you know, warm water Mm -hmm. over your perineum. Um, What are some things you can tell us about that first pee and subsequent peas and how to keep them healthy? Right. So um, the very first pee, I think, is a big one that you kind of feel a little bit frozen down there. And so that's the experience that I had. And I had to get into the shower and let warm water run over me. And that warmth and that water running kind of helps you relax a little bit. Pee in and the then shower. I have, pee in the shower. In the sho- pee in the shower. Everybody, it's a great place to pee. It's a totally fine, safe place to pee. Um, but when you're in the hospital, you can do that. And then also taking some just big, deep breaths, really not having moms push when they pee. We want those big, deep breaths to help the muscles relax. And then the bladder can push the pee out for them. Um, that's if they're standing or sitting. And then again, if they're sitting over the toilet or sitting on the toilet, having a little stool or support under their feet to help them relax because those toilets are high. And then I even tell moms that they're really, you know, not able to start their stream. Another thing for their hospital bag to keep peppermint essential oil in their hospital bag. And you put 10 or 20 drops of that in the toilet water and then you sit over that. And the aroma or the fumes kind of stimulate the urinary sphincter to relax a little bit. So all of these just things to help options so that you don't end up getting right to a catheter, but you have some tools to help facilitate relaxation. But if you've had a catheter because you had an epidural, that's going to make it even harder, correct? Right. And so that's why you really want to work on the They'll take that catheter out. You still want to work on the breathing, maybe the running water, maybe the peppermint drops in the toilet water, all things to really facilitate relaxation of that pelvic floor. And also, it's it's hard to pee lying down, isn't it? I mean, yes. if they give you a bedpan. So bladder control, we talked a lot about that because it's an important topic. Can you regain it after you've lost it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's variable depending on kind of the level, the extent of loss of bladder control. So which will, you know, typically present like urinary leakage. And that's one of the things is that a lot of moms, one of two things happens after you give birth is that you can't pee at all, or you get up from the bed and like water gushes out and you're like, wait, I already have the baby. That's not my water breaking. And it's your bladder, right? It's your bladder leaking. And you've got a lot of urine loss because the muscles are just tired. So it's one of those things that after the first two or three weeks, it should get better. But yeah, working on strengthening those muscles, um, reconnecting with those muscles can definitely help, you know, improve bladder control over time. Okay, that's the good news. And if not, they should definitely see a pelvic floor therapist. Correct. Don't wait. Don't wait for it to get better. Right. Don't wait. Just go ahead and go. I mean, I, I say that all the time. Like if we have You know, I think of all the appointments I have when, you know, COVID ended, I was like, I'm getting my hair done. I'm getting my nails done. I'm getting my eyebrows done. I'm like, go see your pelvic floor therapist. Like put that on your list of things you want to do after baby is born as well. Absolutely. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. 
Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Okay, so let's talk about some recovery specifics, which are going to be different depending on how your baby has arrived, whether it was your first baby or your fourth baby, maybe how hard or how easy or how long or how short your labor and delivery were, how much pushing you did. So from your perspective, what are the most important things a woman should know if she's recovering from a vaginal birth? Two, we already touched on how to pee and how to poo, like one and two. Next is I think icing. 
We touched on this a little bit, but really the cold in the very beginning helps decrease inflammation, um, minimize infection, improve healing. So, you know, having a little ice pack that you put on the area for 20 minutes, several times a day for the first week. Um, also having a little peri bottle filled with warm water or witch hazel that you spritz on the area that can also help facilitate your urine stream if you can't pee, but definitely rinse after peeing, um, after pooping. And even just, you'll still be bleeding. So kind of rinsing the area so that you don't have to wipe aggressively. And there are a lot of sprays and balms and different things you can use if you've had a tear or you have some soreness in the area that can be helpful that they may give you in the hospital. You can also keep at home, but really baby the area. I mean, really, you know, be tender to it. Don't overdo it and give yourself the first few weeks to really, really rest and recover. Like you have been through a lot and you're sleep deprived now. So um, really just focusing on recovery those first few weeks. Now, episiotomies are thankfully rare these days. How, if you need to have an episiotomy, and it would only be if you absolutely need one, how would you say it's best to heal and speed recovery. Ice is a big one again for that. So an episiotomy is a cut when they actually cut the muscle. And typically they're doing that now only when medically indicated. Back in the day, it was like everybody got one. And now we're showing that it's actually can be better if we just see what naturally happens to the muscles and tissues with birth. And most women do tear a little bit, but it's typically a minor tear. So an episiotomy is what we consider a grade two, like into the muscle. So I really encourage, you know, a really good nutrition because we want that for wound healing. So vitamin C foods, yep, vitamin C, fish oil, you know, making sure that you're still taking your prenatal vitamins, good nutrition, good hydration, icing the area, maybe even using a little seat cushion to sit on so that you're kind of staying off that wound while you're sitting, especially when pumping or breastfeeding. Would you say a donut? to sit on? I don't love donuts filled with air. They have so many great options that are kind of a foam that are kind of a little bit softer to sink into, or even your boppy pillow. Just turn, sit, put that in the chair and just sit right on that, you know, and just something to kind of elevate that area. And then actually it's a great time to kind of start thinking about doing little Kegel contractions. So not really tight ones, but just to contract and relax to start pumping some fluid out of that area, getting some blood flow to the area to help with healing. I was going to ask about that because when you know I'm all about Kegels, but I remember so clearly trying to do Kegels right after birth, and I think I could, but I couldn't feel myself doing them. So is that normal? Yes. I also tried to do them right after birth, and I was like, wow, it is radio silence down there. (laughs) That is normal. These muscles are tired. But what we're just looking for is connection. We're just looking to say, can I you know, could I wake those muscles up? And, you know, I do tell people every once in a while, you might want to be urinating and test it. Like, can you contract your muscles and stop your stream? Don't do Kegels during peeing as an exercise, but every once in a while you can test it. Yes. Just to tell that you're doing them correctly. Right. Because otherwise you could end up with UTIs and all kinds of, yeah, that's not a good thing. Okay. So besides not, you know, rushing it, listening to your body, not overdoing, lifting with care, What about a mom who has had a C-section? And as you said, 30% of moms are going to have one, whether, you know, we like it or not, and we should try to reduce those rates. But in the meantime, if you've had a C-section, how do you best recover from that? 
for both of these, and I didn't mention this with episiotomy either, is that there's kind of an early stage of healing and then like a later stage of healing. So cesarean recovery, I really love moms to use like a really simple abdominal binder in the hospital. And most hospitals will provide it if you ask. They don't always offer it. And I'm not talking a waist trainer. I'm talking like a really gentle, soft wrap that just gives you a little bit of support when you are trying to get in and out of bed and lift the baby. Next is you can ice your scar right away. That's going to help reduce inflammation. And then, you know, even starting to do just some gentle breathing exercises to kind of bring, just like you were thinking, do a couple Kegels to kind of wake those tissues up. Just take some breaths to kind of help open up and expand the abdominals and then start walking on day one. So often our cesarean moms want to hunch over and it's so painful, but the more that you can push yourself upright, so walk the baby around in the bassinet in the hospital and kind of help that push yourself up into a more upright position so that your, your abdomen and your chest can open instead of just kind of staying hunched down because long-term that's going to make it a little bit more difficult for healing. Absolutely. And how about getting out of bed? How do you recommend getting out of bed? And this is why we love to teach moms this during pregnancy is that we encourage you know moms to roll to their side. So you kind of don't even use your abs. You roll all the way to your side, let your feet kind of dangle off the edge and use your arms to push up so that you can allow those abdominal muscles to relax a little bit and you're using your upper and lower body to help you so you don't have to do that sit-up position. This is another tip that I like to tell a lot of moms is to exhale when they're picking up the baby or when they're lifting something. If you hold your breath, it kind of like tightens up everything a little bit, but if you exhale gently picking up the baby or you know pushing something, pushing the stroller, it helps those muscles relax a little bit and takes the pressure off your abdomen. Do you have other tips for lifting or for bending to help with your back pain? Yeah, I mean, always like a squat position is better than like the bending over arching your back. Another thing is break down the load. I mean, my husband used to make fun of me because in my third trimester, I would put the trash in a wagon and wheel it out to the backyard instead of like lugging the Wait, trash why bag. wasn't he doing that? <laughs> well, he traveled. So I was so okay. low during the week. But that's a great question. You know, even things like that, just break down the load instead of carrying all of these huge things, doing smaller, you know, little trips with smaller amounts. And a lot of us have other kids when we have a, a when we give birth. So again, practice that exhalation when you're lifting the kiddos in and out of the car, in and out of the bathtub. And you can also hug them from a sitting position. I know, I know. And it's, it's hard and it's kind of sad because you feel like you can't do the things that you want to do, but it really does come back with time. Oh, for sure. So speaking of that, of course, your body's been through a lot. Your pelvis has been through a lot. All those muscles have been through a lot, a lot of stretching, a lot of pressure. So of course, you're going to expect some pain. How much pain should you expect if everything is normal, whether it's back pain, perineal pain, pelvic pain? And when should you start looking for help? Really within the first two weeks is when the majority of healing, real like wound healing, and if an infection is going to happen, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen within the first two weeks. So after that two-week mark, if you're really like something doesn't feel right, my scar, my perineum, I'm like, you've got to go to the doctor because that's when we really want to kind of start looking for red flags of infection and things like that. But even after those two week marks is when I start saying like, start getting out and walking a little bit more. Start, you know, we start doing some breathing with some abdominal contractions. And if you're having pain, even after that two week mark, that doesn't just feel like exhaustion or deconditioning, but real pain, then I say, go back to the doctor and then, you know, check in with the PT after you get through that six week mark. I concur. Yeah. <laughs> 
This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. Can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So. 
So what you mentioned walking, and walking, of course, is a great exercise for late pregnancy. Also, when you have a new baby, because first of all, the fresh air is going to do you so much good on every level. Yes. How do you, at the same time, rest up enough and also make sure that you're moving enough? How much exercise do you recommend and what kind at what point? I really recommend the first week, one to two weeks, you are like at home in bed. And I think the past year has really taught us that moving slowly and having less on our plates and less visitors can serve us well. Oh my God, silver lining. Silver lining, I know. And I think it was something that we all really felt like we needed to slow down. And especially our moms who had tons of visitors come over and we want to go to lunches and things like that. So the first one to two weeks is focused on healing, doing things around the house. And I always say the rule of thumb is if you have an increase in pain or an increase in bleeding, when you do an activity, you're probably overdoing it. That could be a load of laundry, dishes, or a walk. Around two weeks, I say start getting outside to go for walks around the block, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes. If you feel okay, you can start doing two of those a day and then you can start going for 30 minutes. So every week, just kind of bump it up a little bit. And then around six weeks, starting to do more core exercises, really basic, not sit-ups, but like little contractions and bridges and um, maybe some squats and things to kind of start some movement and then return to higher intensity around 12 weeks. And at this point, you might be wondering, core? What core? How do we find that core and how do we best support it at that point? So around six weeks, I encourage folks to start working more on specific core stuff. So I always start with the breath. I have them, you know, start doing some diaphragmatic breathing. And then on the exhale of their breath, I have them learn to contract their pelvic floor to pull in their transverse abdominals. And that takes sometimes a little bit of work and practice. And it's why it's great to do it before birth as well. But, you know, working on some of those simple exercises, and that's really the foundation for everything. The Kegel and the, you know, lower abdominal contraction is the basis for all core exercises. So whether you're doing a push-up, a plank, a squat, a lunge, you have to pull that pelvic floor and abdomen in before you do it. Okay. So then there's sex. Or is there? Is there. (laughs) There doesn't have to be. I mean, let's take the pressure off of moms to like, you know, get right back to it. No, you get the clearance at six weeks, but you may not feel emotionally or physically ready. What do you want new parents to know about postpartum sex? That the first time it may not feel comfortable. So a common thing that a lot of our patients say is that they don't realize it's going to be so dry. If you are lactating or breastfeeding, you typically have lower estrogen levels, which causes your vaginal tissues to feel drier. So I say proactively use a lubricant. I like to use a water-based lubricant or some folks use an all-natural coconut oil. The forecast is mainly dry for the time that you're breastfeeding. Yes. Yes. Go slowly, mainly dry. And honestly, if there's pain, stop. Like you don't need to push through the pain. You might just need a little bit more time for recovery or you may have some scar tissue that's still healing at the perineum or you may even need to do scar massage. So to the cesarean scar or the perineal scar. So, you know, I think that dryness, taking it slow, if there's bleeding or pain, you obviously want to stop. And then, you know, just kind of see how you feel. You may be a little bit sore afterwards, so it's okay to ice, but consistent pain with sex is not normal. So if it continues to be painful, I think it's worth addressing. Are there certain postpartum positions that you would prefer? So I think it's really variable, you know, depending on how somebody feels. But typically lying on your back, kind of in you're on your back and your partner's on top is a less penetrating position. Your partner behind you in the spooning position is less penetrating. 
But if your partner is behind you, that may be more penetrating and more uncomfortable. If you've had a perineal tear, that may be in a more uncomfortable position. And then some women like to be on top because then they can kind of control the pace of it as well. So I would say the most kind of uncomfortable position right away might be a woman on their hands and knees and the partner behind them. And your your sexual GPS may have changed quite a lot. You know, you should make sure you also listen to your body and see what's comfortable, right. what's not. I think communication is key, you know, to kind of express what you're feeling, what's going on. And I also think, you know, I really want to take some of the pressure that we feel as women, as moms afterwards of like, we have to get back that it says six weeks, we feel bad for our partners. And I used to feel this way, or you can have insecurities about your body, you may be leaking breast milk, I mean, you may still be bleeding, there's so many things that I really think if we give ourselves some grace and some time for recovery, it doesn't have to be so traumatic for us or so um, exhausting for us. Yeah, for sure. And the most important kind of intercourse is the talking kind, right? Yeah, I call it outer course. <laughs> outer course. Well, that can mean something else too, which is also might be more comfortable at this point. Exactly, exactly. Not all roads have to lead to, you know, vaginal sex. No. So there's a lot of options out there. Yep. So explore those roads. <laughs> Sarah, there are a lot of things that I wish I could go back in time and tell my newly delivered mom self about my postpartum recovery now that I know what to expect. But what is your most important message to all about to become moms about postpartum recovery? Yeah, I have three. I think this isn't even related to recovery, but it's related to postpartum is that to get help with breastfeeding. I knew everything about pelvic floor and I had wonderful births and wonderful recoveries, but my biggest struggle was breastfeeding and I didn't know, I didn't prepare enough for that. And I felt like that really almost made my postpartum traumatic or really difficult. And um, despite my pelvic floor being in good shape. So the second is to take it slow. And it's such a generic and corny and cheesy term. But I just look at how fast I tried to get back to walking and running and socializing and wanting to get my body back. And, you know, 12 weeks is a sliver of time in the big scheme of things. And I really find now my moms who take it slow and really give themselves time to heal and then get back into fitness and exercise do way better in the long run. So that's a really big one. That's probably one of the bigger ones. And then, you know, lastly is that if it hurts, get help. You know, we don't have to deal with things. We don't have to suffer. And whether it's physical, emotional, mental, whatever the case may be, is to really, um, we mentioned this in our previous chat, but strength is in isn't asking for help and not feeling like we just have to bear the weight of the world and power through. No. And we're, we're not going to use the phrase, just do it. Yeah. And you don't have to just deal with it. You know, we have so much to deal with as new moms. I think that, you know, I'm really seeing this, it takes a village come back and maybe we're doing it virtually or on social media, but I really see moms rising up together saying, we've been through this, you know, here are some tips, here are resources, here's this amazing podcast and just really trying to support one another through the process. We know what I say. Motherhood is the ultimate sisterhood. We got to help our sisters out. That's right. So thank you for helping us out today. We really, really appreciate it. And for those who don't already follow you, where can they find you for more tips? The biggest place I have a presence is on Instagram as The Vagina Whisperer. And then it's also thevaginawhisperer.com where we have a ton of blog posts about pregnancy and birth and online resources and courses to help support moms. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Ooh. 
my baby love i need you oh how i need you thanks for listening remember i'm always here for you what to expect is always here for you we're all in this together for more on what you heard on today's episode visit whattoexpect.com slash podcast you can also check out what to expect when you're expecting what to expect the first year and the what to expect app and we want to hear from you connect with us on our community message board or on our social media you can find me at Heidi Murkoff and Emma at Emma Bing WTE and of course at What to Expect. Baby Love is performed by Riley Beaterer. What to Expect is a production of iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In my arms, why don't you stay? Need ya, need ya. Baby Love, ooh, ooh, Baby Love. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.